Welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Rosa Coelho, your host, lifestyle entrepreneur, health coach, and speaker. I'm thrilled to have you join me as we delve into conversations around optimizing our health, pushing past our fears, pursuing our dreams, and inspiring each other to live a life by design, not by chance. I believe magic happens over coffee and sharing experiences. I've made plans to change careers, move to a new country, organized exciting adventures, and even formed some of my most incredible relationships over coffee. So grab your favorite cuppa, sit back, and enjoy our beautiful chats along with our special guests. You never know when you may hear something that changes everything. Hello, beautiful friends. Well, this week, I really feel this is such an important episode for everyone to listen to. This week, I speak with Coach Christina Tangerman. Christina is a personal trainer and a former fitness competitor. So there was a time where Christina was really just on top of the world when it came to just being in that amazing, incredible shape, living life, doing the work that she truly loved until after the competition, she soon started to experience extreme fatigue, brain fog, migraines, and joint pain. Now, if you know about fitness competitions, you know, they could be really challenging on your body. However, Christina's symptoms were not because of the competition. They perhaps were brought forward because of the competition, but it turned out that later after a lot of struggle and a lot of taking charge of her health and not stepping back when people told her that it was in her head, she really fought to get her diagnosis and to find out what was wrong. She, um, she got diagnosed with Lyme disease. And since then, Christina very recently has more publicly come out to share her story. And that takes such bravery. She's been already doing it, working with incredible people who not just have Lyme disease, but other inflammatory um, conditions happening. It means the world that they have a personal trainer that understands what they're going through. So I love this episode because, you know, we just never know when we need the information that we need for one, but for two, a lot of what Christina needs to do every single day is what we all need to do to have optimal health. The biggest difference is Christina doesn't get time off from that. A lot of us can cheat here and there and be absolutely fine, whereas she can't. So like I said, there's a lot in this episode for everyone, and I really urge you to listen. The biggest reason is I remember listening to an episode on mold years before I had it, and yet when I did finally have it, the things that I'd remembered from that episode actually went a long way to helping me find out what was wrong a lot faster and to also know that I wasn't crazy. So friends, sit back, enjoy this episode as Christina really shares everything she's got and um, and look at the show notes as well so that we can so that you can get in touch with her if you would like to. She puts so much content out there right now to really educate people and help support them through this journey. Okay, friends, grab your cuppa, sit back, and enjoy this episode. All right, Christina, welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm so thrilled to have you join us. Yes. Hi, Rosa. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> we finally did it. Yes, <laughs> I remember, finally. Like, when I first wanted to do this podcast, you were like one of the first people I saw actually after I published my first one. I was like, Christina, one day, one day I need you on to tell your story. <laughs> so I'm so excited. Um, we hit it off like for those that are listening and don't know, Christina's a coach at the same place that my husband's a coach at. And we hit it off pretty early on because at the time I was suffering from mold toxicity and all the craziness that comes with that. And definitely something that people don't understand a lot about. And the interesting thing, Christina, I think I never told you this was I had listened to a podcast probably a few years ago, a few years earlier in my car as I was driving from Prince George to Vancouver, the long drive. Mm -hmm. So I listened to a ton of stuff. And I remember this girl talking about mold and I was like, oh gosh, like, and I just listened because I had the time and she was really interesting and I just love people's stories. And I remember thinking, how terrible is that? But it had, did not apply to my life in the slightest. And I just think, wow, later on, I remembered that episode and it's why I took things so seriously. And that's why I felt mm -hmm. so 
you know, strong about you coming on because I believe that Lyme, although definitely not similar to mold in that way, it is it's also something that maybe someone's listening to today that it doesn't apply and you just never know if it may or if someone they care about it may apply to. So anyway, thank you so much for being on. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Okay. Let's get started. So today we're going to be talking about health, but we're also going to talk about business and, and, you know, following your passion. And those are like the coffee talk topics. (laughs) So tell us about, um, tell us about life before Lyme. Like what, were you a trainer before you got the Lyme or, or was, did that come after? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll give you a little a backstory. So yeah, as I, you know, as, as a kid, and as I was, you know, growing up, I was, I was super active and, um, I was always outside. I grew up with two brothers and I was, you know, such a tomboy. Um, and in high school, you know, I played a lot of sports. I loved basketball, track and field, volleyball, soccer, all the sports. I was definitely in it. I loved it. Um, my poor mom, I was the only, <laughs> only girl that she could not get me in a dress. Um, you know, and I met my dear husband when I was 18 and married him four years later. And this October, we'll actually be celebrating 16 years of marriage. Oh my gosh, it's which exciting. Is, which is crazy. Amazing. And yeah, we have a beautiful daughter. She's 14, who is my true inspiration every day. Uh, she's just an incredible, incredible young, young woman. But She's a mini you. She really <laughs> I've is. I've seen her she's, photo. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she is my she is my little twin. Yeah, and so what came first, Lyme or when I was? Yeah, a were trainer? you a personal so, trainer first? Like, were you already a coach when you got Lyme, or did that, or did you become a coach because you were inspired to help others because of Lyme? Like, right. So I actually don't. It's a hard question to answer. Yeah, mm. hard question to answer because I actually don't know when I contracted Lyme. So I don't know when, like for sure, when I ever, when I ever got it, but, um, my my symptoms for chronic Lyme disease started back in like 2013, 2014. Um, so, but I was a trainer well before them. Okay. So trainer first, Lyme definitely came afterwards. Like at least the diagnosis did, um, but my my doctors, you know, if we actually track back to to symptoms and when I could have possibly actually right the line um could have been before I even had my daughter who's now 14 so amazing it's, it's kind of hard to say but probably yeah. line for or, sorry yeah no go ahead sorry yeah I was gonna say definitely um you know possibly line first but it's hard it's hard to say it's hard to know when you got it that's so mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. tell us for the listener who has I think most people at least have heard that word, but don't really understand what Lyme is. I know I met someone a few years ago with Lyme and I just didn't really get it. Like they didn't, I didn't really ask too many questions either, but what, what is Lyme? So this is a great question and you'll get a different answer every time someone explains it. Right. Um, I think it's because it's so unique to every individual. No two Lyme clients or or patients are are the same. Um, so I'll do my best to, to explain it. Awesome. Um, so Lyme disease is caused by a bacteria that's called, and this is hard to pronounce, so I had to write it down, <laughs> Borrelia burdoferi is the actual name of the Lyme disease. Um, and I it's haven't a bacteria, heard that one. <laughs> yeah, it's, because many people can't say it, so they didn't say Lyme disease. <laughs> right, it's easier. <laughs> yeah, and it's a spiral key that, so the bug itself, like the bacterial species, is a spiral key, so it's like a corkscrew. Right, it's that it's that shape, right. um, and because of that spirochy, it doesn't react really well to medications because it literally like corkscrews into everything. Right, so it's really hard to get rid of, um, and it doesn't react well yet to those medications. Um, but Lyme disease is transmitted to people through the bite of an infected tick, a deer tick. Right, and these ticks, you know, usually live in tall grassy areas, wooded areas. So, like, picture going out into a hike. Yeah, those are times you really want to protect yourself and wear you know long pants, long sleeve shirts, and uh, I like to, right. my family and I are obviously outside a lot and we do a lot of hiking. So just doing that tick check when you when right. you get home. Oh my goodness, it's something I would never think of, and I wear shorts all the time in the summer. Mm-hmm. It's nothing I used to think about either. Right. Until Lyme came into my life, and you're like, oh yeah, it's everywhere. Right. Wow. Um. Yeah. So you you get it from, from a deer tick. Now, 
what you said you weren't diagnosed right away with it at how did you in the end find out that it was actually Lyme? Like at what point, you know, what was that journey like? You must have had to really fight hard. I'm sure the first time you go into the doctor's office, they're not like, oh, you've got Lyme. We know exactly what it is. Like what was, what's that like? And how do you finally get diagnosed? Yeah, it, it is a battle. And this is why I think like uh, we're trying to create so much more awareness around Lyme mm-hmm. because it is so hard to get diagnosed. So for those that don't, remember having an actual tick, like didn't find a tick on their body, or if they didn't have like the classic bullseye rash, which I didn't either. What is um, that? Those Do you want to like talk about that rash for people to know what to look for? Yeah, it's just classic bullseye. So you get bit by a tick and then you have that red bullseye right in the middle where the tick actually uh, um, burrows in yes. and then you get the, the circles and right. it actually looks like a bullseye rash and it can spread and get quite large. Wow. Um, but less than 50% of people diagnosed with Lyme remember having a bullseye rash. Right. So there's actually, you know, quite a, a lot of people don't have the rash. Right. So it's, it's hard to, so then when you go to the doctor and you, you know, you have all these symptoms. Um, and for me, it was four years of fighting uh, for answers to finally be diagnosed. And that's again where the awareness comes in where the doctors just don't know and you get diagnosed with so many other things along the way because testing for Lyme disease without a rash or without actually finding right. tips is a last thing from their mind. Right. So that's where it's really hard. And I'd um, imagine you can get it anywhere in your body. Like if someone gets it on the back of their thigh or their, their back, like they're not going to be able to see it. No. Anyway, and a lot so. of times it's actually, they, they get them on your head, in your hair. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, behind your ears. <laughs> yeah, and behind your ears is another really common place as well. And they're tiny. They're like ballpoint pen, tiny. Right. Like so you don't actually feel pen. it. No. Does this make you like nervous a, to go hiking now? Like, do you get nervous for your daughter when you go hiking? Like, um, I think for me because I don't ever remember finding a tick on me. Yeah. I'm a little bit more relaxed with it. Right. Right. So. So no, I'm actually not because I, I love to be out, outside. Yes. Right? So I try not to stress out about it at all. Um, but I can imagine for those that have actually found a tick on them, they're right. probably way more sensitive and probably a little bit more anxious when they go out. Right. And yet being outside is like so important for our health. Mm-hmm. What, what mm-hmm. if you do see a tick on you? Is, the, is there actually something that you can do? Like, can you... Yeah, does it go so, in really fast? Like how, how does it all work? Well, so it bites, right? Yeah. And then there's being, there's obviously some research being done right now of, um, you know, the common doctors will say like 24 to 48 hours is how long it has to be attached for you to contract one. Oh. Um, but there's more research coming out that is actually as little as four hours. Right. So that's why it's so important when you first get home to, do a tick check to make sure you get them off. Um, And there are very specific ways to remove a tick. Um, If the head stays in the body, that's like the bad news bears you because you have a much harder time getting the head out. So there's methods online that you can, you know, Google up, but it's basically tweezers and pulling straight directly out. Right. I actually watched, I actually watched, it was last year on Facebook, someone do a live video. They had a tick on them and they showed, they removed it. And I was really quite fascinated by it, but they kept talking about like, they were really calm. I was surprised, but they were, you know, talking about exactly what you just said, how they had to do it, remove it really slowly and carefully. And, Mm -hmm. but you're right, like straight out and yeah, straight out. Make sure you get the whole the whole tick out and not lose its head. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'll be definitely checking now when I come back from the great yeah. outdoors. Definitely. And you're great, Christina. I was too. afraid of bears before, and I'll add something yeah. else. <laughs> I'm just yeah, kidding. No, I'm not afraid. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 don't forget about your pets. Like we often bring our our dogs out on hikes mm. as well, right? And right. the dogs are the ones that usually wander into the bushes. Right. So they can contract, like the dogs can get Lyme disease as well. Right. So FYI. So um, if you find, you know, embedded ticks on your, on your pets, also get them to a vet and remove the tick. Um, but they can also bring it into the house. So that right. dog now comes into the house that has ticks on them and jump up onto your bed. 
This chick is still alive. Right. So you got to check your, you got to check your pets too. Right. And you do have a dog. So I know you're okay with Mm -hmm. having pets. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't, I just want people to know this isn't to scare anyone. This is just to empower people. Right. Cause then you can do your checks and, and feel comfortable. Yeah. So tell us about, pardon? It's about being aware for sure. Totally. So tell us about what, what is your day-to-day life like with Lyme? Like what actually happens to you with Lyme? How do you feel? How does it affect your daily life? Yeah, this is, this is a loaded question. Mm. So take your time answering it. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely will. So I basically start my day with a body scan. So as soon as I wake up, you know, I just kind of lay there and, and do that body scan. Um, I can usually tell pretty early in the morning um, if it's going to be a, you know, a really good day or a rough day. Um, and it's based on my sleep. I'm hugely impacted by sleep. Right. So if I have a, you know, an awful sleep, then it's going to really affect my day. What do you do with your, um, what do you mean by a body scan? Cause I, I really like where you're going with that. Yeah. Where I, I literally, I start from my head and just he- head down to my toes. Um, and it's just like, you know, I, I open my eyes and I have a beautiful view from my window. I'm super grateful for, mm. and just kind of stare out to there. I'm like, okay, you know, do my eyes hurt when I open them? Um, you know, do I have any eye floaters today? Cause that's a, that's a symptom I have. Right. Um, I also have really bad tinnitus. So are my ears ringing really loud or it's like more quiet today? Um, my heart rate, right? Is how is that feeling today? Any chest pains, you know, and then as I start to head down, you know, just how are my muscles feeling? How are my joints kind of feeling? Um, and just doing some, you know, wiggling toes, that kind of thing. And right. um, slowly getting up and out of bed. Gosh, I um, love this for anybody. How mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it just puts you in your body first thing in the morning. I think that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to be so aware because if I, I can, I can't, the days are gone of just jumping out of bed and getting a shower, getting the coffee and, and going. Right. That is, that is not how right. I, how I can get through my day. But, and, it, and it's quite interesting right now too, going through um, this, this pandemic, because right now, um, you know, everyone is really dealing with, oh, they can't go out and eat. Well, neither can I on a good day anyway. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> and, oh, you know, we, we can't, we can't leave our houses. Well, right neither can I anyway, um, you know, so, so many rough days right. and, you know, the whole being, you know, washing your hands and being so hyper aware of germs and everything around you. I have an, you know, like immunocompressed system. Like right. I have to be very aware of what's around me and who's around me. And, you know, if someone's sick and I'm aware, I'm like, you can't come around, Like you need to stay out of, stay out of Right. And is that because your body's working to stay healthy despite of the Lyme? And so it really just can't handle more things on top of it, or those other things just add more to, more to you, more stress. Yeah, absolutely. It's just an already overloaded system. Right. And my body, it doesn't detox as well as other people. Right. Right. So like even going into crowds and being in, into in large groups, I'm because I can't detox properly, I get massive headaches and migraines from synthetic smells. So perfumes, right. um, you know, pumping, pumping gas. My husband pumps my gas. Right. It's like an immediate headache, just felt smelling those fumes. Little, so little bonuses. Toxins. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I won't complain there. <laughs> but, so it's, it's a lot of those, like this pandemic has been really interesting because it's, an, you know, those that aren't chronically ill are getting a really good view on what the, yeah. what we live through on an everyday basis. Yes. Right? I've always thought the same, like, I think this pandemic, you know, whether it's a chronic issue or just not the best of health in general, like that this pandemic is really kind of shining a light on our health and what we really need to do to stay strong and healthy and so it's mm-hmm. interesting you say that. Yeah, absolutely. So you do your body scan. You, you don't mm-hmm. go out to eat, at least definitely not very often. I'm sure no. you have, yeah. if you do, you have to really know exactly where you are. Uh, what else has, has it, how, how else has it affected your daily life? Yeah, I think it's mostly, it's definitely affected like a lot of relationships as well. Mm. So, you know, I, you know, used to be very, like, I'm such an extrovert. I love being around people. Yeah. And now it's, it's really hard to make plans. Right. And you're, you're caught in this in between of, do I make plans and then always cancel or do I just not make the plans at all? Right. Right. So, and the friends that are still with me understand that and the friends that I've lost along the way, well, 
you know, obviously they're not here for a yeah. reason, but it's, it's hard. So it's, it's impacted a lot of relationships as well and family. Yeah. It's a lot of stress on the family. And like, thank goodness my husband is such a huge supporter and mm-hmm. such a good caretaker. Um, but it's a lot of stress on, on friends and family and, and relationships that yeah. day to day stuff as well as, you know, I, I have to listen to how I feel. So you know, if you're just wake up tired and like, oh, I'm just, I need to get my workout in anyway, I can't do that. Right. So if I push through those types of things, I'm laid out for the next week. Right. They derail so you. To, absolutely. So I have to be very careful um, of, of what I do each day and be very mindful and respect my body and listen to it. Right. I mean, what you're saying about friends and family, that I can totally relate to because when I was going through mold before it, cause it takes a while to be diagnosed as well. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're misdiagnosed and whatever, but I remember the same thing, like it, because it's not something that people can see, it's really challenging for them to understand when you're like, Absolutely. I can't go. I need, I need to be home and napping. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like mold and Lyme, they're like, what is that? Like, what do you mean? Yeah right? They're not things that are talked about often. That's right. That's right. right. And then Lyme is also very controversial. A lot of people don't believe that chronic late stage Lyme is a thing. It doesn't exist. Right. (laughs) Incredible. Including people in the medical profession, which is crazy. hundred percent. And that's why it's so hard to get diagnosed with late stage Lyme. Yeah. I had the same thing. I remember going to a doctor for, for mold. It was really affecting my digestion. And that was the that was the first sign where I was like, okay, something big is happening. Cause I know how important mm-hmm. digestion is. And I remember I went to this doctor and he was like, this was after I'd already been diagnosed with mold. So I was just like really suffering. And I thought, let me go to a doctor. Cause I've always just found other ways anyway. And he said, well, well, um, mold doesn't affect your digestion. Just take Metamucil and drink water. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, right. Like, oh. like, if I could, I, like, I can totally relate. Like there's so many things I, I mean, I can't even count on all my fingers and toes, how many doctors I've seen yeah. and all the different things that they've told me. And I remember the very first time. So I've already been tested positive from Lyme disease from a Lyme literate naturopath. And then I went into my GP to also test me for Lyme disease through the Canadian testing. Right. And just, just to kind of play with it a little bit. Yeah. I already knew how terrible the testing is here. And he looked at me and literally said, now keep in mind, he's been my doctor for, for 15 years at this wow. point. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, oh, we are not going down that rabbit hole. <gasps> and I was, I was shocked. I was like, and you're no longer my doctor. I'm shocked right now. And he did yeah. not do the test, even though you were asking. No, of course he did. Yeah. He did. So okay. That's requested it. Yeah. He did. Okay. He did do but it. Um, the intent behind that. <gasps> oh yeah. Like he looked at me like I was crazy. Uh, I think, yeah, you know what, that was the biggest thing in my healing journey that I learned throughout it was find a team of people that support you and believe you. And that mm-hmm. was probably the number one, most important thing was to not continue working with people that were like, this doesn't exist or it's in your head or whatever. Oh, absolutely. I was working with a a group of osteopaths at at one point and there was a few of them that were were from Australia and in Australia, it doesn't exist. They, they do not recognize it. It's like a hard stop. And I was, I really had to distance myself from that type of energy when I was first diagnosed with it. Oh, how I, yeah. I all of a sudden, I just felt really sad for Australians mm. who were suffering. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's there wow. for sure. But, wow. mm-hmm. Okay. Well, talk us, talk to us um, about a good day. Like, what are your good days like? Are they like, do they feel like, are your good days just as good as the days before you suspect that you had Lyme or are they just like better days in comparison to the bad days? If that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't think it has been a long time since I've had like a good day pre-Lyme. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if I can recall what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like my energy is just so incredibly low, even on a good day. Mm-hmm. But on a good day, I at least have a clear head. Right. Like the brain fog is, is really, really brutal for me. Um, right. Everyone's unique. Everyone's going to have their own symptoms um, going through this Lyme journey. But brain fog is a big thing for me in that cognitive function. Right. Um, and so yeah, the, the good days, 
they, I mean, they feel good. I can move. I yeah. can, you know, I can sweat. I don't have any pain. Um, yeah. I get a lot of muscle and joint pain. Um, there's moments where I, you know, I can't hold on to things and I'll drop them. My wrists get wow. really, really sore. Yeah. Um, so, so those are, those are good days when I don't have any of those, especially pain-free. Yeah. I would say my top two for sure is no brain fog and right. like pain-free. Those are good days. Gosh, like you actually almost made me teary talking about the brain fog because I I just remember for a good full year, I just felt so dumb. Like I would do things that were like, how do I describe it? Like I say if someone asked me to do something and normally it's something that I would do no problem and I would end up doing it completely just wrong. And then I would go back and catch myself and go, what, what was I thinking when I did that? Like that was, it was just like, it was unbelievable. It was just so, I didn't feel like myself mm-hmm. and you're right. Like remembering things was yeah. so difficult. And I just felt, yeah, totally like out of like what was happening. Like just, it was so challenging. Yeah. It, it almost feels like you're, you're just drugged the yeah. whole time, right? Like you're almost yes. like that borderline of being drunk. Yes. Right. If that makes yeah, sense. Like, absolutely. I mean, there was moments where it was getting really bad and I couldn't remember my house number. You know, I went to go text yeah. oh, a friend and I was like, so hard. And I immediately just started bawling my eyes out and I'm yelling yeah. at my husband. I'm like, what is our house number? It was oh. a terrifying moment. Um, and thankfully I don't have it that severe anymore. Yeah. It's, it's funny things now, like even just last night, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my daughter and her scrunchie and her hair is almost at the end of her hair. Like it's falling out. Yeah. And I was like, Ashlyn, your potato's falling out. <laughs> my what? I'm like, your, your, oh, your scrunchie. <laughs> your scrunchie is falling out of your hair. Like, Did you just call it a potato? I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> I know. You're, you're right. You're like, leave me alone. Oh my yeah. goodness. I remember I did a lot of apologizing in those days. Like, just like, oh my gosh. It just, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But at least when you're with family, they, they know. So. Well, you yeah, can't, you so have they, to have they, a little laugh understand. at these things too, because you can't always be taking it so seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very thankful. And I'm oh very thankful goodness. too, that it hasn't actually affected my work too much. Like, you know, being a coach and, and a trainer, like I can still name you every muscle. Yeah. Incredible. Like, so that kind of stuff sticks, sticks with me. Right. It's the little everyday stuff that, that, uh, Amazing. Right oh, I can't wait to, we're going to definitely get into your coaching. I just want to ask one last question mm. regarding, regarding the Lyme. What are mm. like kind of a handful of things that you have done that have really helped you a lot in your, like to have these really good days and to be healing your body? Like I know Lyme, Lyme is something that you, maybe you could touch on that too, that Lyme is something that you live with for life or maybe you don't, maybe you could talk mm. about that, but also what are the things that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's start with the, you know, the, is there a type, you know, is there a cure, right? And I think for, for late stage Lyme, um, there is not a cure. There's no, um, definitive treatment. Um, and that's just because the antibiotics no longer work. um, What do you mean by late late stage? stage? Like what, what is late stage? When you've missed the prime opportunity, like when you've missed that window of when you were first bit or the bullseye rash, Okay. So that, that's the, that's the, uh, like the primary window is, is right then within those first 48 hours to get on antibiotics. So then it goes to, um, chronic Lyme or late stage Lyme when it goes months, years past that and it goes undiagnosed. So the longer it's been undiagnosed, the harder it is to treat. Right. So, and I want to say from my own, like this is not a stat from any researches, but just from my own experience in my own, my Lyme community, mm-hmm. the average person seems to be about four or five years before they've gotten diagnosed. Right. I mean, it makes Crazy sense because long. it's, I mean, and that's why it's so important for you to be on this podcast because of that very reason. I just think there's not a lot of education out there. So people don't even know what symptoms to look for. And, um, mm-hmm. So I love like you're doing such an amazing job right now of educating people, not just on this podcast, but we'll talk later about mm. how you're doing that because it's really important. Because yeah. if we could bring that and, down from four years to, you know, even six months or what, you know, whatever it is that will help people to have a better quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of, you know, better quality of life. So some of the things that I do on an everyday basis to help me manage the line. Um, and keep in mind, again, everyone's going to be totally unique. But for mm-hmm. me, my, my nutrition is number one. 
Um, I have to, you know, avoid those inflammatory foods and those inflammatory foods are going to be a little bit different for everybody. But, mm-hmm. um, so I, I like to stick to a lot of fruits, vegetables, you know, healthy fats, sustainable, high quality meats. Mm-hmm. Um, and I avoid all gluten, eggs, sugar, dairy, like those are hard nose for me. Yeah. Um, I will definitely flare up with a, a ton of muscle and joint pain and migraines if I consume those. So nutrition is definitely a huge one for me. And I think like number two is probably movement. Um, I think it's so important to sweat every single day um, mm, when totally. your body is trying to to heal. Yeah, you need to detox. You need to get that out of your system. Yes. Um, so your body's already not filtering properly, right? So you need to help mm. it. So every single morning I get on my, my step up box and I crush out 20 minutes of step ups and, and get that out of the way. Mm. And I'm grateful that I'm able to do that most days. Right. It doesn't always happen every day, but most days I definitely get that in. And I think third, like I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but sleep. So mm. sleep is, is huge for me. Um, I need, I need to get like nine to 10 hours a night. Right. If I get anything less than that, it's, I'm no good to anyone that day. Right. So it's amazing. My top three. Yeah. The things that you're describing are really what everybody should be doing for good health. <laughs> <laughs> in, ge- yes. in general, right? Like I, that's what I find so fascinating. Um, when you talk about sweat, I remember that was a big thing with my mold toxicity was that's how you get it out. That's one of the ways you get it out is through sweating. And I believe to this day, it's probably why um, Keish, my husband, was not affected by the mold as badly as I was. He was out of the house a lot more than I was as well, just because of the nature of his work, but he's also really big at taking long walks every single day and he sweats daily. Like that's just his job as you know, a coach with you. And, um, I do think that that was the biggest thing because what happened with my diagnosis, one of my things was, um, sore muscles. Like I would work out and then I wouldn't like, I'd have sore muscles for days, not just like the one or two days of having mm-hmm. a hard workout, which is like anything going up the stairs, like my legs would be fatigued. And so I actually pretty much stopped working out. Like I kept going for walks and being outside, but it wasn't enough to sweat. And so I think mm-hmm. that's why I was probably more, more affected. So that's such a good, that's such a good tip for anybody that sweating mm-hmm. is so important. It's so important. Yeah. And if you, if you don't have the energy or the capability to move your body to sweat, mm-hmm. get in the sauna. Yes. Yeah. Infrared saunas, lifesavers. That's what I did because I couldn't, again, too too tired and too sore to work out. So I started off with those saunas. Mm -hmm. That's the next best thing. Mm -hmm. Just, I just want to go back because you just, Mm -hmm. the thing about the antibiotics and if you get diagnosed. So the first thing I thought when you said that, yeah, but a lot of doctors don't believe it. But if you go to a doctor and they see that ring, like that, that bullseye ring, will they Mm -hmm. give you the antibiotics? Like they do at least when they see it, believe it. Like in most cases, yes. Okay. Now, depending on where you live, right. no. Right. So if they are a firm believer of we don't have Lyme here, right. then they're going to chalk it up to like a, a spider bite or right. some oh other gosh, type of yes. bite. They do look like that. Yeah. So even if you go in with a bullseye rash, you're not guaranteed to right. be treated for Lyme. You've got to right. fight for it. So fight for your health. I mean, that's, gosh, Mm -hmm. isn't that, it's all about that. It's about taking charge of your health and really fighting for it. So thank you. Cause that's, yeah, that's powerful. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's not going to hurt. Like if they tell you it's a spider bite, it's not going to hurt to take those antibiotics anyway. I'd rather do that. And you know, I'm not a big fan. Everyone knows, like I usually lean more towards like the naturopathic way and, and not being on antibiotics, but I'm, but I'm not extreme on any, any, level. Like if I, if I see that, I'm going to take the antibiotics. You can fix your gut health after. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You don't want to mess with that right now. Definitely take them as a time and a place for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's shift a little bit and go on to personal training and coaching. I want to speak more specifically recently in the recent years, how um, you have really evolved as a coach, and I know that you do work with a lot of people that not necessarily have Lyme, but are compromised, you know, have compromised immune systems in some way. And and because um, I see the testimonials for your client from your clients and how your understanding of what they're going through is just life saving for them. It makes such a such an impact. So, how has your coaching evolved over the years? And and 
you know, maybe touch on why you feel like you're working now more with people with immune compromised. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit obvious, but talk to us about that journey. Yeah. Like when I first became a, a trainer and in the gym, I was big time into bodybuilding. I, I loved lifting heavy stuff. Um, yeah. It was definitely my, it was definitely my therapy. Um, and when I have the energy, it still is like, I still love it. Um, and you know, I spent many years bodybuilding. I competed on stage. I, you know, I fell in love with it. And I quickly realized about the same time when my health started declining that that type of lifting for me wasn't sustainable mm. and that I needed a different approach. Um, I started feeling super fatigued. I was always in, in some type of muscle pain. I wasn't recovering from my workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that could have been Lyme related at the time or it could have been the fact that I was literally working out three hours a day and right. running on top of that. So uh, probably definitely a little bit of both. Yeah. And so I realized then that I had to shift. So that's when I got more into, um, you know, mindful movement and more natural movement and, and transferability movement, like meaning that, you know, these bicep curls aren't really going to help me in the everyday world, um, but I need to maybe do pull-ups instead. Right. So getting more functional fitness, um, is where I started shifting. And then now in like the last few years, um, I've, I've heard story after story of people with chronic illness, you know, finally feeling well enough to get back to the gym. And then when they do, they always revert back to the way they used to work out pre-diagnosis and not realizing that the stress that they're putting on their healing body and they end up in a three day flare or, or even longer. Mm. Um, and it, it falls into this vicious circle of, you know, working out and flaring, then being too scared to move. And then again, bam, another flare up. Right. So it's just this, the circle and it absolutely just breaks my heart, you know, hearing these stories from my clients and, you know, because movement is such a critical piece of their healing journey. Mm. And now to hear, you know, they're terrified to move because it causes them pain or causes right. them to flare up. Um, and I get it. I've been there myself. Um, you know, I've been in that vicious loop as well. And I just feel like now there just, there isn't enough coaches out there that address this issue. A lot of coaches don't understand that when you're chronically ill, you can't work out like the next client you just had Mm. the hour before their, their nervous systems are too taxed. Your adrenals are crashing. Um, you can't put them into a zone three, zone four, like a high heart rate intensity training. Um, they're just, they're going to flare. So it's just taking that different approach. And, um, you know, I want to be able to share what I know and, and give hope back to these people that are immunocompromised and, you know, get them working out again. It's just, you know, might look a little different. Yeah. I love that you said that because in general, I mean, I remember even in London towards, you know, as a trainer, you develop. So how you start is not how you are four or five years later or 10 years later. And I remember thinking of so many people that would just come in just really fatigued and you're like, no, I can't, I can't smash you today. It would just be ethically wrong. Like it's not how we work. Mm -hmm. But I, I think a lot of people, it's that like, you know, still that mentality of like, if you haven't, if you haven't worked super hard, then you haven't, you know, you haven't accomplished anything. One of my favorite quotes is whoever said like the no pain, no gain yeah. needs a damn hug. Yeah. That, is, that is not a sustainable way to train. Yes. We need to, you know, take that out of people's brains and rewire that. hundred percent. What is terrible um, advice. I know in my early days as a trainer too, and even after like the mold, I really struggled because my body changed. I had put on the weight from the inflammation of the mold. And I remember I was like even embarrassed to even call myself like a coach or a trainer because of the way things were changing for me. How did you deal with that? Like, was there a time where as a trainer, you were kind of trying to mask or hide that you weren't well, or maybe that wasn't even possible for you? And at what point did you actually start using that as like actually to empower you and to empower your clients to be like, yeah, you know, I can relate because I'm also dealing with it. Where, where was that shift? Uh, Like, I love this question so much there. Yeah. Especially going from bodybuilding and competing yeah, on stage. You were extreme. To, yeah. To now, you know, being, in my opinion, a little, you know, probably 30 pounds overweight from what I used to be mm-hmm. and completely different, um, you know, body shape. And it was a struggle in the beginning. 
you're, you just constantly are fighting to get back to where you were. Mm. Right. And it's, it's depressing. You know, you look at old photos or, you know, and it's, yeah, it sucks. And I think you have to go through that. You have to grieve. It's a grieving process. Right. And you have to let it go. You, you cannot keep chasing the person you once were pre-diagnosis. Yeah. It's, it's not fair and it's not healthy and you'll never fully recover. Yeah. In my it's opinion. interesting you say that because you know that, that quote, um, comparison is the thief of joy. And when you mm-hmm. think of that, you always assume you're comparing yourself to other people and that's the thief of joy. But actually you can compare yourself to who you once were. Like that, that takes your joy mm-hmm. as well. So that quote for me has really taken on like a whole other, whole other meaning. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. And it's, it's difficult. And you know, it's just hard for everybody, but I think it wasn't probably until about two years ago, almost two years ago when I moved here to BC actually, and I started working at Restore Human. And for the, for the first time ever in my career, and, and it's been a decade now, yeah. did I find the right people to surround myself with where I didn't have to put on that mask of I'm this, this bodybuilder and has to destroy my body in the gym in front of these people. Right. I was a, I allowed myself and they allowed me to be more vulnerable and to be like, no, I can't lift the same weight as, you know, the young male coach next to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, and that, and that's okay because I, I'm yeah. me. And, and I think, yes, I think about two years ago, there was a huge shift of um, getting out of that big box gym mentality and getting into a small close knit family studio mm. just gave me that space to be okay with my my new body and my new image and and know that my body is you know it's working with me not against me and it's yeah yeah I love that you know we're talking about getting into like a smaller studio that's more like a f- family oriented and and I know like restore humans a really special place and it really is about finding those places that are going to support you. Like stop going to that big gym where, you know, you don't have a lot of support. Like if your situation's unique, I mean, big gyms are, are great for, for certain people, right? It's just not a fit for everyone. And I think sometimes we have that idea of only one, one way of training or one place that we can go to, but actually there's a lot of options out there. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. I want to read this quote on your Instagram because <laughs> you just posted it. I just, you're, we're going to get into how people can get in touch with you and all of that in a little bit, but I love this. Um, it's actually by Michael J. Fox. So it says acceptance doesn't mean resignation. It means understanding that something is what it is and that there's got to be a way through it. Oh, when I read that this morning, I was just like, that just, one, it gave me goosebumps. I think that's so beautiful, but tell us about mm. that quote and. I, I love that quote. I think it's super powerful. And I'm, everyone around me always let, you know, reminds me that I have this relentless optimism Mm. and I, I have so much drive and I'm very like proactive and, you know, you cannot let a diagnosis define who you are. Yeah. And that quote just reminds me of like, yeah, okay. So this is what's happening. Now what? Get through Mm. it. Like take the necessary steps to, to do what you got to do, yeah. do, to be you um, and not to spend too much time in that negative mind frame of, you know, what was me or boohoo and um, just really be proactive and, and just find a way through. There's always a way through. I love that. Always a way um, through. So your Instagram account, especially recently you, you launched your website, you got all these, mm. all this amazing information and I've noticed like a real shift in you and really getting out this this message and and I believe everyone should follow you regardless if they have Lyme because the information that you put out there is yes a lot of it is specific to Lyme but when you really read through the lines it's actually the things that we should be doing for really optimal health regardless and if I want to learn about optimal health I'm actually going to go to someone that has to fight for it every single day um, it just makes sense so Tell us about where did you have that shift where you went from just maybe sharing with your clients and in your studio, because it's been a real kind of like, you've just been evolving so much. At what point were you like, okay, I'm ready to share this with the world and I've got to get a bigger message out there. Cause I know it's pretty recent for you. Where did you get that kind of 
Was there this moment where you're like, okay, it's time? You know, I think it happened very organically. There wasn't an actual pivotal moment. And, but yeah, I think it's just happening so organic where, you know, I was, you know, I'm super successful where I am at Restore Human. I love all my clients and everything that's happening over there. And when I actually stopped and took a look, you know, about two months back, I'm like, whoa, 80% of my clientele is chronically ill. Mm, interesting. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, wow. Like I didn't realize that so much of my clientele is um, already so much like living the same life as me. So me sharing my story with them, this happened very naturally and more so in this, in this last year than before. And where I didn't have to wear that mask because I think it's more inspiring for them to hear my story than Mm -hmm. to me put on that, that fake mask. And then now shifting to putting my story out there is, you know, it's just a, it's that Mel Robbins, like that five, four, three, two, one, do it. Yes. Like enough is enough of, you know, telling yourself stories and getting in your head. Like, who am I going to inspire? Who, you know, I still struggle. So who's going to listen to me and I don't have it all together. Yeah. So, you know, who's, they're going to judge me and whatever stories you tell yourself, I find was just like, doesn't matter. I, you know, even if I can just help inspire or change one person's life, then, then I've done my job. Um, And just, you know, being home during this pandemic as well has just really created that space to just do it, Mm. like get your website going. And that was the first time I I physically wrote out my, my whole story. Um, And it was, it felt amazing. It was terrifying. Amazing. It felt amazing. And, you know, and now I'm here with you and I feel like it's just, again, it's just, I keep using that word organic because it's just falling into place. Yeah. I really feel like what I'm doing right now is, is what I'm meant to be doing right now. Yeah. I love that. Um, one of my latest episodes was rise up during this time. And you are definitely one of the people that have used this crazy time that we're in to actually have that space and, and rise up. Like you, in the last two months, mm-hmm. it's incredible the amount of content you've put out there to help people. It's been so beautiful. Tell us um, how come, how, cause we're going to get into the final two questions that I ask everyone. Mm-hmm. So hang in there, everyone, cause they're <laughs> good. They're really important, but tell us how do, how can people get a hold of you? How can they start to like get your content and start to learn from you? Yeah, I think um, the easiest way is probably on Instagram. So that's yeah. at coach Tangerman for my Instagram handle. And Facebook is at Bite Back with Christina. Awesome. I'll and have it in the show new, notes too. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, my new website is bitebackwithchristina.com. Amazing. Christina, what you're putting out there is, is just awesome. I wanted to share with you one of the reviews I got on my podcast when I started, because my second, I think it was my second episode, I talked about the mold. And part of me didn't want to. You know why? Because I was like, oh, people are so tired of hearing this story. But actually, that's not true. Like, you've got to tell the story for the rest of your life because people are at different phases in life. And and one woman wrote, um, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like she was going to buy a house and they found mold and she didn't buy it because she had heard my episode. And I was wow. like... Oh my word. And it just like, it gave me goosebumps. I, I actually just wanted to cry and I just thought, wow, like it's incredible how impactful just getting your message out there is. And it takes bravery. So I'm so proud of you for doing that. And so grateful. Okay. Let's move on to the final two questions. (laughs) I love these questions. (laughs) Okay. So number one, can you think of a time when you heard something that changed everything for you? So it could be something you heard or even something that you read or listened to. So aside from being told that I had Lyme disease, because <laughs> obviously that changed my life forever, right? So aside from that, um, I think what comes to mind first is one of the very self-help, one of the very first self-help books I ever read. Um, and it was The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma. Yes. So it, yeah, he, he got me on the, the wagon of reading the self-improvement books. He is amazing. I love the way he writes. It's, it's mm. so simple to grasp. So beautiful. Um, but in that book, one of the favorite things that um, has kind of really stuck with me and that really resonated um, is he wrote, you, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You reap an action, you sow a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. 
so a character you reap your destiny mm. so that I love and totally shifted beautiful so, yeah love it it's one of my favorites yeah a lot of Robin Sharma's stuff has really impacted me too that's incredible thank you it's awesome mm. okay what does living by design mean to you it's mm, a great question. So I think, I think for me, you know, it really means to live life on your terms, um, you know, not by circumstance, um, but by what you've chosen to create. Mm. Um, and yeah, a life that you've designed. I love that. You know, not, yeah. I love that. I always Simple, say just like that. That's right. Yeah. Life by design, one that you choose. So before we go, is there anything that I haven't asked you or anything that you want to say that I haven't? I think like just saying in closing is that if you do suspect that you do have Lyme mm. and you know, the, you go to your doctor and they say, you know, you know, it's test is negative or, you know, I don't think you have Lyme. Let's test you for blah, blah, blah. Or they just dismiss you completely. Just know that your, your feelings and your symptoms are real. And yes. they are valid and you need to advocate for yourself. So if the first doctor ignores you and dismisses you, find a new one. And then if they ignore you and dismiss you, go and find a new one. Like I said earlier, I've gone through, I, I can't even count how many different doctors. Mm-hmm. You've got to find the ones that are willing to work with you. You know your body best. So just keep fighting and be that advocate for yourself. Beautiful. Thank you, Christina. On that note, have an amazing day. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you and look forward to continuing to learn from you. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rosa. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. I know time is precious and I'm grateful you shared yours with me. It would mean the world to me if you felt an impact, a moment of inspiration, or learned something new. If you would share it with those you care about and leave me a review on iTunes. I'd love to know what spoke to you or what you'd like to hear more of. Your sharing and leaving a review would help so much on this journey to making an impact on as many people as possible. It's worth it. I know from experience, there are moments when something we hear has the possibility of changing everything.